Welcome back. Welcome back to the Teacher's Cup of Coffee. I had a couple months there where I didn't get to one of these, but I'm excited to be back. And I think today we're really going to be talking about maybe the most important thing moving forward in education. We're here to talk about teacher well-being. How do we keep teachers feeling good enough to stay in the profession? You know, I think that teacher retention really might define the next decade of education. And for all of us working in schools every day, we know how hard it is. We know how much it's changed. We know that it's, and it's, it, COVID plays a part, but it's not the only part. There's, there's just so much more to the job than there's ever been. You know, I was sitting down recently with a high school science teacher, a guy I like. You know, he's an optimistic educator. He also coaches. He's in. He's in. But even he couldn't stop talking about just how stressful it's become and how intense it is minute to minute and how much you're trying to do this one job and there's so many other things swirling around you. And I found this so interesting that he said, he can't believe it, but every day now, he puts on headphones when he's on his prep and takes a walk outside around the building. And he said, if I didn't do this, I couldn't keep doing this. You know, he was talking about taking care of himself in the middle of the teacher workday. And I don't think that's something we, we think enough about or we talk enough about. But I like that he does that. I think that's a good move. I think that finding ways to keep yourself mentally and emotionally healthy before school, after school, and during school, I think that's essential to teachers being able to navigate all of the challenges that exist now. So today we're going to be talking about all of this and, and how teacher well-being and teacher retention matter. And, I got some awesome guests. I'm not doing this alone. I needed more help on this one. So I'm bringing in Jamie Simons and Mo Chapman. They run an organization called Core Creative Partners. Uh, Jamie was a teacher, a dean of students, and a principal. Mo was a teacher and a curriculum director. So they bring a lot of diversity of experience at a lot of different levels. And you're going to hear in this conversation, we talk about so many aspects of this. We talk about the stress, the stress and pressure of the job, the intensity of the day, the importance of relationships. How do we use our time? What can we control? What can we influence? Frankly, the art of leaving work at the end of the day. That's even hard. Uh, we talk about teachers supporting each other. We talk about supportive leadership. I just think we hit a lot of components of teacher well-being. And I think this is a really important podcast for teachers because I think you're going to hear a lot of things that affirm what you're feeling, as well as some ideas to help yourself get through this. But I think it's an especially important podcast for parents and community members and, and leaders and anybody whose life is influenced and impacted by a teacher, but that isn't a teacher. Because there's so many nuances to what we're going through now in education and, and making sure we can navigate it effectively for our kids is so important. So Core Creative Partners, they're going to say it at the end. It's corecreativepartners.com, www.corecreativepartners.com. But in the word core, there's no E. So C-O-R, creativepartners.com. They do some great work. I think you're going to love listening to them on this podcast. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome in Jamie and Mo. 
Okay, well, I'm back and I'm here with two awesome guests. So excited that they're with us. I have Jamie Simons and Mo Chapman. Jamie, Mo, welcome to the Teacher's Cup of Coffee. Thanks for having us. Hey, hey, yeah, thanks so much for having us, Timmy. We are very excited to be here. Yeah, no, we're excited to have you. Um, So, you know, I did a little intro and obviously what we really want to focus on is what's really, you know, been a major part of education this year, which is teacher and staff just well-being. You know, um, what can we do as schools to keep teachers in a good enough place that they want to keep doing the job, that they feel inspired yeah. and they feel motivated? So that's sort of obviously where we're going to go in our conversation. But first, you know, you work with a lot of different schools in a lot of different places. You've both worked in schools a long time. I just want to start with like, where do you think we're at? How do you think educators are feeling these days? That is a good question. Do you want to go first, Mo? Yeah, I don't think it's a great moment for teachers. I think people are feeling pretty stressed. There are these different phases of stress they've been through through the pandemic and all the phases of remote and hybrid and in-person. Um, so I think people have been surprised how hard it is to get back to normal or to a new normal and then I think along with how their experiences, the way they've been perceived and felt their status has also changed through the pandemic. There was a real hero moment. And then, you know, as time went on, different feelings. So, you know, it's a big reason that we switched out of the school setting to work where we could really try to support people was for that very reason you named. How do we support people to have the experience that will allow them to stay in the field. Yeah, it's so interesting what you say. Um, it's such a highly politicized profession. And it's also a profession that everyone has some experience interacting with educators. Everyone's been through the education system. So everyone thinks that they know what it's like to be a teacher. Um, and, you know, if you're a brain surgeon, people aren't going, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that's all about. Yeah, I hear you get time off in the summers. Nice. But, you know, as, as a teacher, I think, you know, people don't understand how challenging it is. And, you know, just the number of complex skills that you need to be developing and demonstrating at any given moment. And for that to be happening and for it, not to come with the same status that the work of the brain surgeon comes with uh, is really challenging. And, and as Mo said, yeah, there's there's not only a lack of status, but um, often teachers are experiencing the opposite, um, you know, negative energy coming towards them. Um, and so it's, yeah, it is a hard profession and this is a really hard time to hold that hard profession. Yeah, we hear a lot about the plate, you know, this, <laughs> this is a lot coming onto the plate and there's nothing coming off of it. So, you know, there's a lot of new expectations and a lot of new needs, but we haven't lost the standardized tests and the behaviors and the parent um, element of the work. So I think there is just a feeling of I don't have time and I don't have training necessarily to do all the different things Um that I need to do to feel like I'm successful in my job. Yeah. And I think one of the things is the intensity too, you know? Um, yeah. I think that there's more parent pressure than there's ever been. Um, I think that, you know, um, kids are dealing with more than they've ever dealt with um, on their own. Right. So I, you know, I know at my school, we see more kids with trauma, 
more kids with behavioral issues, mm. more kids that just like don't have all their ducks in a row to make the school day easy. Right. Um, but I think for teachers too, it's just sort of the intensity of the day, you know, like I've never had less value for the summers off than I have right now. Like, because when I went into education, I did think about the summers off. It, it was part of what I wanted. Um, and now it's like, by the time summer hits, educators are so drained and, and just so done that I'm not even sure they come back rejuvenated. I'm not even sure it, mm -hmm. for a lot of them that it's enough time to come back rejuvenated. And I think a lot of that is because of the intensity of the day. You know, our, mm -hmm. my school at 7, 7.20 to 2 o'clock. And, you know, some of my friends would be like, what? You're done at 2 o'clock? And it's like, no, first of all, we're done at 3 o'clock because there's another hour after school where there's a million things still going on. Um, but, man, the day, the minute to minute, it's nonstop. It is nonstop. And teachers just look like sometimes they just look like they got hit by a truck when they're leaving. Mm -hmm. you know. And I, I empathize. I know what they're feeling. Yeah, I mean, for me, too going into that profession, I thought, well, I want to be a mom. I'll have the summers off with my kids. I'll be able to pick them after school. And then my reality was so different. And even transitioning into leadership, which is also hard, I felt like, oh, I'm never seeing my kids. I'm gone before they're awake and I'm home after an evening event. And so, yeah, there was just so many elements that happen outside of the school day that you don't understand from the outside necessarily. Um, and it's a service oriented profession. So I think it's something else we've heard is people just feeling like I need to give myself permission to take care of myself. I'm always putting someone else first and I feel guilty if I, if I don't. Yeah. One thing that I, I say in our workshops, we, we put on a number of workshops focused on educator self-care. And one thing I say is like, the state is paying you sweet, sweet tax dollars because you are so good at caring for others. And the irony here is you're not caring for yourself. You know, it's um, it, it's just if we take some of these skills that we have, some of this deep empathy that we have, and we apply it to our own self-care, we will end up being much better caretakers for others. But it's really hard to do that because... Um, the job is so big and it's never done and you know how important it is. So, you know, it's, it's one thing if, I don't know, you're selling hot dogs. I don't know. This probably isn't the best example, but like if you take a break and you're like, Oh, a few people didn't get hot dogs while I was on break, you're probably not stressing too much about it. But yeah. when the work that you are doing is, is, teaching kids really important academic and social emotional skills and increasing equity by ensuring that everyone has access to a leg an, uh, an education that will lead to a future career and personal well-being it's really hard to take time off when the job isn't done and the job will just never be done yeah, yeah. It's a humbling it's a humbling reality there's always another student or another extension I mean, no disrespect to hot dog vendors. <laughs> yes, I know you don't. I, Jamie, correct. I know you don't. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, the, the kids are providing more pressure than ever. Um, academics, we all know we're dealing with gaps and we're dealing with, uh, you know, we always talk about the gaps, but it's probably academic apathy that's more annoying than the gaps, right? Like we all sign on to help kids get smarter no matter where they are. But the the thing that wears on us as educators more so might be kids that just don't 
don't want to work, don't have a work ethic, don't value mm -hmm. uh, education. Um, and obviously, like we talked about the parents, Mo, you touched upon the, the um, standardized testing, that pressure hasn't gone away. Um, you know, so, so you have all this, right? And then Jamie, to your point, the best educators are good because of how empathetic they are and how much they care. And it's kind of like sometimes, not always, but sometimes the best parents are the ones that just like completely focus on parenting, right? I'm not one of them. I don't always focus on parenting, <laughs> but you know, you see a lot that completely focus on parenting and, and sort of put their own needs to the side. Um, and I would say that's the same with school staff. Oftentimes the best ones are the ones that put their own needs to the side. But I feel like in the beginning of my career, there was enough time out of work and there was enough time in work to take a deep breath that you could do what we just said and still be okay. But what's scary now is I feel like you can't. I feel like if you're giving your everything to the job because you can't help but give your everything, you haven't left a lot of time for yourself and eventually you're going you're gonna to empty your bucket and you can't help anybody when your bucket's empty. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Timmy. In the short term, the, the teacher who is giving everything may be the most effective teacher, but there's only so long you can run without taking a break, without having some water. Um, and eventually people just pass out or run themselves right off a cliff. And we're seeing such teacher turnover. And it's heartbreaking because, you know, well, I'll preface this by saying, Turnover is common in all industries. And at, at this point in our culture, it's very normal to have multiple careers through your life. And, and that's exciting. Um, but what's heartbreaking is when people aren't leaving because of the pull of excitement in a new field, they're leaving because the push of feeling burnt out in the education field. And so we have a lot of amazing caring teachers who are leaving and then those who are staying are suddenly realizing their jobs have just gotten that much harder yeah. because their colleague has been replaced by someone who isn't as qualified because the students who are working with that teacher are now coming to them looking for the academic and social emotional support that they're missing and suddenly that other teacher who said, I'm sticking it out, I'm sticking it out, has 20 more things on that proverbial plate. So it's uh, it's heartbreaking for those who leave um, when it feels like it wasn't their full choice to leave. And it's really heartbreaking for those who stay as well. Yeah, and you're alluding to something on the other end, the recruitment challenge. There aren't people wanting to come into the profession at the same rate. And there's been a lot said about that. And Obviously, the diversity of the workforce isn't matching the student population. And so there are a lot of challenges for those who are in the teacher workforce to try to serve the needs um, of all students. And um, so, yeah, I think it's an, it's an important problem. There are a lot of people doing a lot on it. But then just on the daily experience for those who are there, how can they find a way to stay sane and to stay with it and to process their value. Um, and they are so valuable to those students. So we got a big problem without a doubt. Right. And you guys are working in many different ways to help teachers feel better, to help teachers stick around, to help teachers take care of themselves. 
Um, and, and a lot of educators are. Um, so what do we do? Give us some ideas. What do we do to make sure teachers have a high level of well-being and they're able to keep doing this for a long time? Great question. <laughs> I was going to say great question. And I think I said great question to the last big one. But it is a really great question. It is something that we all have been weighing. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you steering the conversation in this direction, because certainly it's easy to just kind of cycle down the, you know, the drain of despair as, as you really look at how challenging things are. But also, it is still a joyful profession. Schools are places full of so much wonderful energy. People are doing such good work in support of other adults and in support of kids. And so shifting to what are incremental steps that we can take to make the experiences and the outcomes of educators better, um, you know, is, is really an energizing thing to do. Yeah, I think for teachers who are listening, you are doing an amazing job. And even with all the imperfections that you may feel and however hard you are on yourself, you know, you are the right teacher for your students. Um, but what we do in our work with teachers is often have teachers start by writing down what's stressing them out. We have this simple tool. It's a grid. It's four quadrants because um, we love math and all subjects, <laughs> but it's, you know, what personally and professionally and for yourself and for those that you care for or in your somehow um, in your sphere of control, what are your concerns? So maybe in my personal life, I'm concerned about my weight or my age or my my sleep. I'm not sleeping well or something. In my personal life, I'm worried about my children or other people, uh, my friends. And then in my professional life, the same thing. And so we found people just really appreciate that organizing principle to just lay down what's on their mind. Really, they don't often have time to step back and look at what's what's on their mind. And then it's coming up in the night when they're trying to sleep or some other time, um, or it's coming out as another emotion that they're not linking to a stress. Um, so that's been something that I think when people process that in groups, we really have heard like, I feel like we're in this together. At least I know I'm not alone. Um, and we also see people identifying like, oh, I don't have much in that quadrant about myself, what I'm concerned about. I don't even have time to think about myself. So I'm just all my stuff's in those boxes for other people. Um, so that's one thing as a starting point that we've really found is helpful um, for people to do in, in groups with other educators. Yeah, right. It's a lonely profession. We recently heard a teacher say, I live on the island of teacher. And I think we're all in these islands, in our own classrooms, in our own buildings, in our own districts. Uh, and we don't always get to swim or take a life raft to visit others. And we're just there with our palm trees and our coconuts and our stresses. And if you can just invite some people over, have them paddle over and say, this is really hard for me, and have someone else go, oh yeah, that's really hard for me too. Or, oh, that sounds hard. It's amazing just what an effect that has. And, and Timmy, I'm sure you have this experience as a principal. When I was working as a, as a high school principal, in one way, I felt 
so powerless. People would come to me and they would just gripe about, you know, these students who are really struggling and these families that were putting demands on them and how much planning or assessing they had to do. And, and also, you know, these personal challenges that they're facing. And I couldn't do anything. I couldn't fix the students' problems. I, you know, I could call up some families and, you know, have some interesting conversations on a teacher's behalf. It's not that I couldn't do anything, but at the end of the day, there was still going to be too much on that plate, but just sitting there and listening to someone really, really made a difference. And at a certain point I realized, okay, there's the practical work I do, but then there's also the interpersonal emotional work that I do. And just just swimming to someone's island and spending some time with them and hearing what conditions are like for the inhabitants of that island, that's really, really powerful. And so I think as much as people in supervisory roles or just people who work with other colleagues can connect and hear how they're doing, that um, you know, that really makes a difference. Um, and I think as much as we can push ourselves to share with others how we're doing, it's really powerful. And that's, it's obvious, it's low hanging fruit. Um, but when you really think about it, there's a lot of low hanging fruit that we can grab before we have to kind of scale the tree to the top to, to try out more complex and challenging interventions. Yeah, it's been a real takeaway that a lot of the self-care strategies are very accessible. You know, we should drink more water. We <laughs> go to bed earlier. We should, we know what we should do. We should take a deep breath, you know, take three deep breaths before each meeting. Um, but one of the most powerful is relationships. And so just like Jamie's alluding to people just having time to connect and share and listen without trying to solve, just, I hear you, that sounds hard. And that's hard for teachers to do, not to be in solving mode, but just yeah. listening. Um, but that is something that we found some school districts are really naming. Our goal is teacher self-care. We don't have another goal and we are attacking this goal with our time and we're building an ongoing support and our meetings are like time for people to share and build relationships and just feel supported. Um, and that's been a really nice to see districts just naming that um and then following it up with with their time yeah and i think um those are all great points great great ideas um and and they're things that we in schools need to remember um and but i, I think one of the challenges is and this goes with you know most industries the world moves so fast now but there's you know the teacher culture is such that i have so much to get done i can't mm -hmm. waste a minute right and um, I think that really hurts with what I think that hurts well-being often because sometimes you have to waste time. Like that's how we stay sane is to not get the most out of every minute. Right. So, um, you know, and, and I'll push it further and say, and then the other thing that you can see amongst teachers is as much as they can be in it together and, you know, we're all teachers, we're all doing this. They also can be very judgmental of each other. And with very little information, they can make big judgments, right? And so sometimes you'll have a teacher who you know is kind of good, like half of their prep time, they kind of relax because that's what they need to recharge mm -hmm. for the next class. Yeah. Now, mind you, just like 80% of teachers, they do more work at home, 
Okay. So mm-hmm. it's not that they're not prepared for their next class. It just means I'm not going to do that preparing right now because I need a break. Um, but I think that that is, um, it goes with what you're saying. And I just think it's an important reminder, but I, I wonder how we change the culture as such, right? Like it's okay to relax for a minute. It's okay to chill out. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to, to use 20 minutes of your prep to go get Starbucks because yeah. that's just what sane people do in other industries, right? There's no <laughs> other industry that's like, I can't believe you went and got coffee today. You know, it's still where every teacher life. can relate to some kind of friend thread going off on their phone or in their email. And they're like, who has time to be sending yeah. texts and emailing during the workday? I can't keep yeah. up with this. And it's like, so yeah, it's like a reminder no, what okay. others are doing. Yeah, that's, that's okay. So you're, I, I kind of feel like this, the uh, ideas you just provided are really good ones. But I think, you know, you're swimming upstream against this culture that says, don't mm-hmm. waste a minute. Don't make yeah. me think about this quadrant about how I'm feeling. I could be grading a paper right now, you know? Yeah. That's the classic counter, what I could be doing with my time. I could be grading papers. It's a, yeah. And it's a strong, strong one. Yeah. I imagine some of it is on leaders to, to really deliberately develop the culture that they want to see. And so basic steps like, I'm not going to send an email after hours. And if I'm working at eight and I have an email to send, I'm going to schedule it. So it shows up in the morning, you know, just the first step is, is modeling boundaries. And then, yeah, the, you know, a second step is. Or the principal get in a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah you know? Um, And then, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really naming it as a goal. You know, when you're, when you're trying to teach something to kids, you put it on the board and you put it on the on the assignment sheet and you even put it on the rubric and you keep bringing it up. Remember, we're practicing this. We're practicing this. And so if for educators, the practice that we need to do is putting up boundaries and caring for ourselves, we need to be really deliberate in setting that expectation and holding each other accountable to develop that norm. Um, Timmy, I also really appreciate what you said just about how much human beings um, can have tunnel vision in thinking just about their experience and the experience of others who are in a similar boat or on a similar island. Um, And often we don't see how similar our experiences are across roles. Um, So often you hear teachers going, these administrators, like they just don't get it. We're working so hard. And maybe some administrators don't get it, in my experience, working with school leaders, they get it. Many of them are former classroom teachers. All of them are people who spend a lot of time in classrooms and see how hard everyone is working. And their jobs are really, really, really hard too. Um, And in some ways, even lonelier. There are so many teachers in your building, Timmy, who know that it's hard to be a teacher, but how many employees really know about the challenges of a principal or of an AP or of, of, you know, someone in a role where there are fewer people uh, who have held that role. And so some of the work we need to do is being compassionate towards ourselves, you know, taking care of ourselves in the way we take care of our kids. And some of it is being compassionate to others. If, if we're being generous to ourselves and, and naming that we're working hard and our lives are hard, we should do the same for the school leader. We should do the same for the parent who maybe 
wasn't acting appropriately in, in an IEP meeting, but maybe there's a reason because the person that that parent loves more than anyone else in the world isn't finding success. And the parent doesn't have full trust in these strangers who are spending more time with their child than they are. And as educators, we also need to have that compassion for those kids. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I think it speaks to the power of relationships again. And if you're using some of your prep time to build relationships with other teachers, that's going to strengthen your well-being, your perspective taking. If you're using some of your class time to build relationship with kids and greet them at the door and notice what they're wearing and their haircut and um that is time that pays out later. Or if you're going to get a cup of coffee, can someone come with you? <laughs> Do yeah. it together. And just there's so much passive benefit. It's not necessarily something planned out, but it's it's something that really supports people staying in a school as they love the people they work with and they spent time and they know each other. Yeah. I mean, think of relationships, Timmy. I know you have a very hard job. And then at the end of the day, you go to a basketball practice or a basketball game that is on one level making your life so much harder and on another level it is making it so much easier and so we're lucky in education that we get to build these meaningful relationships so really leaning into them really ensuring that we're setting a positive tone in terms of how we think about and talk about others that we have relationships with does in a profound way impact our own well-being and our own resilience in this difficult profession yeah, I, I I totally agree. And I think uh, there's a lot that you said that I could go off of. But one, I, I liked how you said and, you know, whether it be leadership or even just colleagues, like we need to model this. Right. Like so if 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 I get it, I should always make sure I'm saying the message, like take care of yourselves, take care of yourselves. Um, what are you doing for your own well-being? All right. Do you need to go get a coffee rather than grade that paper, whatever it might be? So I, I think that's really important. And I think it's important how you mentioned, like, it doesn't just need to be the principal modeling, but it could just be other teachers that just model for each other. Um, I think that's really important. And I, I think another thing that you said at the very beginning, which I want to circle back to is, I, I, I do think a lot of stress that teachers take on is stress about stuff that's out of their control. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I think that's in terms of, improving your own well-being as an educator, a big first step is just always knowing I can influence that or I can't. Mm -hmm. um, and so I know you said there's a quad, there's the quadrants, um, but let's think about that one. What, what do you say to teachers who are feeling stressed by all these things that are out of their control? Yeah, that's the next step that we usually do is, okay, let's take something that was stressing you out and think about it with what we call the hearts of control and what's something that you are are giving a lot of energy and time to that maybe when you step back and think about it, you can't do anything about it. I mean, your example, if someone else is using their prep time a certain way and now you're giving emotions and energy to that thing that doesn't really impact you and, and you can't control and, and you don't need to control, um, what could come in if you let it go? You know, what space could you give to something more positive? Because certainly we're kind of talking around positivity. 
one major self-care strategy is positive narration. How can you tell the story of your life, of your purpose in a positive way so that you are in control of how you feel about what you're doing and your impact? Um, we do a lot of mantra writing and um, people coming up with or sharing mantras. Um, one of our favorites is from a school um, in the city that's I can be okay, even when the people around me are not. So just all these different positive messages and empowering messages can um, really help people just kind of reset when they notice their emotions getting negative. Um, but yeah, do you want to talk more about the control analysis? Sure. Yeah. There are, there are things that are just a hundred percent out of our control and things that are a hundred percent in our control, but but most things overlap. Um, you know, you take any kind of concern and there are aspects of it that are just out of your control that you just need to let go of. And then there are aspects that you have some influence over and there are aspects that you actually can control. And so kids aren't doing homework and you're pulling your hair out because you care so much about this subject matter and these kids. And, you know, going back to your comment earlier, Timothy, Timothy, I've never called you that. Very <laughs> formal. Very you want to know why? Because I was winding up to use the word apathy that you'd used earlier. <laughs> and it just synced really nicely with your name. But it's you're right. It's really hard for teachers who are working so hard to support kids to see that those kids just don't seem to care. But when you look at it, there are definitely elements that we cannot control. So if students aren't doing homework, there are all kinds of reasons and they're related to systemic racism. They're, they're related to uh, levels of economic privilege. They're related to the home life of a student. You know, there are these elements that you can't control. Are they going home and making dinner for their siblings while a single parent works instead of doing their homework? If that's the case, that's out of your control. But there are things that are within your influence. You can build a relationship with that student, learn what's happening, work with that student to set some goals and pinpoint one or two practical strategies for making progress towards those goals. And then there's some things that are fully in your control. Maybe you'll say, you know what? Um, I'm waiting homework 35% and these seven kids are failing my class, even though they're engaged when they're here and I know they have the skills. It might be in your control to change how you're waiting homework. It might be in your control to tap a student on the shoulder at the start of class and say, hey, can you quickly do the first two problems that I know that you weren't able to do the other day? So that is what's in your control. So like there's something empowering just knowing that you can decide where to put your efforts. And there's something liberating knowing that you can't do everything. When you really make that list of all the things you care about, and then you whittle it down to just the things you care about that you can control or influence, it's still a list that is way too long. So it's like bad news. You could never do all of this. But also good news. You don't have to do all of this. Yeah. So just like you know, just like your basketball players, like you don't just stay on the court and keep shooting until you score a million points. 
there's a certain game for a certain duration and you try as hard as you can to get as many points as you can during the game. And then you leave and you shower and you eat and you spend time with Throw your family. The team. Right. Right. So we need to do the same thing. We need to. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we prioritize what can we do and of the things we can do, what is most important. And we try our best to do what's within our capacity and then we put boundaries on that and give ourselves space to take care of ourselves and to take care of others outside of the professional sphere. And that's what keeps us coming back to play another game and to play another game and to play another game. And we may not be Larry Bird, but we're a better player than our replacement player and we're a good player for our team. Yeah, and I think when we've had teachers do this deeper analysis on a particular stress, what in within this stress can I control? What within this stress can I influence? What within this stress is totally out of my control? We've had at least three different workshops where someone says, I think I picked the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> I said, this one's too hard and I can't control anything about it. And it's like, yeah, maybe we're giving a lot of energy to something that when we look at it, we can't that energy isn't a productive energy. So if we let that go, maybe what we can control is making healthy meals for the week and calling a friend and letting some things into our lives that we've been feeling we don't have capacity for because we're giving so much energy to something that isn't serving us. Yeah. Well, I just think, uh, I think you guys are really on to something with all of this thinking. Um, because I do think the next 20 years in education are going to be defined by teacher retention mm -hmm. um, and how much we can keep educators in the profession. Um, you know, if the last 20 years have been defined by standardized tests and a focus on data and improving instruction, um, those things all have to keep happening. But I really feel like keeping teachers in the classroom um, is going to be the challenge. It's going to be the bigger challenge. It's going to be the metric that really tells you if you're impacting kids. Um, and you know, this, these are my words, not yours, but um, it's almost like when I first started my career in leadership, um, you know, what I wanted to say to teachers was like, you need to take this more personally. You need to care about this more. Like you, you're not going to get the most out of them if you don't get more revved up by it. And it's almost like now I, I'm saying to teachers, Hey, Hey, relax. Hey, don't take it so yeah. personally. Hey, maybe once the bell rings, care a little less. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, I don't want to lose you. If I lose you, uh, or if we as a profession lose you, uh, hundreds of kids are going to be negatively impacted. So, you know, there's, of course, teachers on both sides, but um, it's, it's, it's a real shift. It's a real shift in getting people to care enough that they do the job as well as possible, but not care so much that they're overwhelmed, burnt out and retiring at 28. Yeah, that's, that's really well put Timmy and, um, or Timothy, if you'd prefer <laughs> more formal name. It's when I think of my experience as a classroom teacher in my first year, I was doing some things well, and also I was a hot mess in other ways. Yeah. And in my second year, I was like, Oh, I am, twice as good at teaching as I was the first year. And every year, <laughs> you know, yeah, every year you realize you are just more and more under control. Um, you are getting more and more skilled at this work. And you're absolutely right. Students are going to do better if they are in more classes with teachers 
who've been doing it for 10 years than than classes with teachers who've been doing it for a year, which isn't to say the new teachers aren't doing an amazing job and really, really helping kids. But, you know, for teachers who are in that first year and doing a great job, just wait till you see how under control you're going to feel after the second year, the third year, the fourth year of teaching a class. You're just going to keep moving closer and closer to your potential and students just benefit tremendously. So, uh, yeah, we couldn't agree more. It's it's such complex work. And the way we get better at it is we just keep doing it. And the longer we're in it, the stronger our relationships are. And, and that really makes a difference for a student's experience. You know, when you come into class and the teacher goes, hey, I know your sister. Oh, I know your parents. And how's, yeah, how's hockey going this year? Like, suddenly you go, oh, I'm safe here. I belong here. This is one of the good ones. And so the longer that an educator stays in a learning community, not only is that teacher getting better at their work, but that teacher is just building relationships that really lead to more effective support of students. Yeah. And I, we're going to wrap up here in a second, but I think that another thing I just want to stress that you said is absolutely there's things leadership can do to create a culture of self-care and well-being without a doubt. But you also talked a lot about how teachers need to create this with each other uh, and it can't, no one's going to survive just because a couple leaders in the building um, are good at, you know, listening to them or, or supporting them or, or, or working with them. You, it, you need the whole community to be together and you need teachers got to take care of each other as well. I think that's so important. And uh, clearly something that you talked about um, in terms of building those relationships that keep you around. Uh, so, all right. That was fantastic. Really appreciate your thoughts. I'm, it warms my heart that there are people out there just focusing on this, you know, uh, and obviously that's what you're doing. So, I, now, now, now I want you to plug core creative partners. How can we follow you? How can we learn more? How can we get involved? Well, yeah, so we are the two partners of core creative partners and we have a website corecreativepartners.com. And from there you could sign up for our newsletter. We send it out every month. It is as short as we, we spend a lot of time making it short so people can read it. And each month we have a themed uh, mixtape based on whatever the topic is. And and yeah, we're just really excited to be in this work and supporting educators as, as they do really, really great work to help kids. Uh, so yeah, definitely check out our website and drop us a line if we can ever be helpful to you. Yeah, and we're both on LinkedIn and we share a lot of resources around we do self-care and also a lot of work on how to bring social emotional learning into the classroom for students. So yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you. Well, it's been great having you as guests. You certainly fit the teacher's cup of coffee mold. So I appreciate you joining us. So Core thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank yeah, you so absolutely. much. James. It's been fun. Thank you. CoreCreativePartners.com. Jamie and Mo, look them up. And all of you listeners, thanks again for joining us here on the Teacher's Cup of Coffee. Yeah.